Welcome to another edition of Out of the Box Sunday School. I am your host, Takia Evans. Thanks for taking the time to listen in today. Our lesson is entitled, God Rewards Obedience. The Bible background is from Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 through 57. And the printed text is Genesis chapter 41, verses 25 through 33, 37 through 40, and 50 through 52. Each of us faces circumstances that can lead us to doubt our faith and plunge us into despair. It may be difficult to hold on to dreams of future success when faced with extreme hardships. I'm sure that at one time or another, we all have asked ourselves, is it worth it to continue trying to serve God? It happens when we become discouraged from facing difficulties one after another, and we may begin to fall away in our commitment to God. It is important that we find ways to give godly and practical encouragement to others whose situations seem bleak, even if our own circumstance is equally dire. In this week's lesson, we will see that Joseph loved and obeyed God. He was able to engage in wise and discerning problem solving that motivated Pharaoh to appoint him second in command over all of Egypt. This week's lesson takes place after Joseph, the son of Jacob, found himself being sold into slavery by his brothers. Because his brothers hated him, they first plotted his death and agreed to sell him into slavery instead. Carried out to Egypt by the Ishmaelite merchants, he was sold to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guards. Before long, Joseph disguised himself as a trustworthy servant and was promoted by his master. Things seemed to be looking up for Joseph until Patiphar's wife attempted to seduce him. Knowing that giving in would be a sin against God, Joseph fled the house. Potiphar's wife, angry at being rejected by the handsome Hebrew slave, falsely accused Joseph of attempting rape. So then Joseph again showed himself to be trustworthy and was put in charge of all the prisoners. Sometime after this, Pharaoh's butler and baker thrown into prison were thrown into prison and Joseph was given the responsibility to attend to them. While in prison, Joseph interpreted the dreams of the butler and baker. Joseph pleaded with the butler to help him out of prison once he was restored to his position in Pharaoh's court. Within three days about dreams, both dreams came true just as Joseph foretold but the butler quickly forgot about him. We don't know how long Joseph spent in prison, but it was two years after the butler was released that Pharaoh had his own troubling dream. In this dream, the king was standing by the Nile River when he saw seven fat cows come out of the river. Then seven lean cows come from the river and devoured the fat cows. This was followed by another dream in which seven healthy heads of grain were eaten by seven scorched heads of corn or grain. Realizing that these were no ordinary dreams, Pharaoh called all his magicians and wise men and told them the dream, but none of them could interpret the dreams. It was at that moment that the butler remembered Joseph's ability to interpret dreams and told Pharaoh. Joseph was called before Pharaoh, who repeated his dreams for Joseph for his interpretation. Refer back to Genesis 41 verses 14 through 24, and this is where all this comes from. And now that we're all caught up, we will start at Genesis chapter 41 verse 25, and I'll be reading through 33. 
Joseph replied, your majesty, both of your dreams mean the same thing. And in them, God has shown what he is going to do. The seven good cows stand for seven years, and so do the seven good heads of grain. The seven skinny, ugly cows that came up later also stand for seven years, as do the seven bad heads of grain that were scorched by the desert wind. The dream means there will be seven years when there won't be enough grain. It is just as I said, God has shown what he intends to do. For seven years, Egypt will have more than enough grain, but that will be followed by seven years when there won't be enough. The good years of plenty will be forgotten and everyone in Egypt will be starving. The famine will be so bad that no one will remember that once there were, there had been plenty. God has given you two dreams to let you know that he has definitely decided to do this and that he will be he will do it soon. Your majesty, you should find someone who is wise and will know what to do so that you can put him in charge of all of Egypt. So here, the Pharaoh of Egypt has two dreams that disturbed him for two reasons. The dreams were strange and there was no one among his wise men to interpret either one. And although there are two different dreams, Joseph tells Pharaoh they have one meaning. The repetition of the dream serves as emphasis and establishes the truth and surety of what is to happen. Because Joseph loved and obeyed God, he points Pharaoh toward God, the source of all wisdom and knowledge and the one who rules the universe and reveals his plan for the future of Egypt's climate and, and economy. So Joseph directs the king to look to God. Joseph establishes the fact that Joseph's dreams are re revelations of God's plan. And then in verses 26, 27, and 28, Joseph continues to tell the king that the two dreams are really one. The number seven in both dreams represent a number of years. Joseph's reassurance that it is one and the same dream clarifies that the good cows and the good heads of grain represent the same seven years, not 14 years total. Similarly, the seven lean, ugly cows and the seven worthless heads of grain represent a new set of seven years. These seven years will be defined by famine. I'm going to take a moment to say this here um, at this point. We would do well to use Joseph as an example and be prepared for the future. It is a common human weakness that we often forget the good, but are prone to remember the bad. When we are experiencing good years, we may fail to prepare for the lean years, which will eventually come in some form or another to most of us, if not all of us. Pharaoh was given a blueprint into the future, something that is give, never given to most of us. In fact, we knew for sure that the seven years are going to be immediately followed by seven lean years. Most of us would have the necessary, make the necessary preparation to face these coming crises. So back to the lesson in verse 28, Joseph affirms that he said what he said in verse 25. Joseph is about to give a clear interpretation of what Pharaoh's dreams mean. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do in Egypt. And in verse 29, Joseph begins to tell Pharaoh exactly what his dreams really meant, which are exactly what, which are actually one dream. 
Joseph interpreted the plenty as a season of prosperity and abundance throughout the land and for all Egyptians, uh, Egypt's inhabitants. And conversely, these seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of famine, so severe and devastating that prosperity would be forgotten. The people would not care to reminisce about the good old days of as severity of the seven years of famine would indeed consume or completely destroy life, cattle, and crop. The repetition of the dream indicated its urgency. This is a this is an urgent matter. It's nothing to sleep on. Therefore, Pharaoh's dream was doubled twice. In a dream sequence that happened over and over, this proved that indeed. These were prophetic dreams from God about the things he had established to occur shortly or bring to pass real soon. Joseph himself had a doubled dream of ruling over his brothers and family. And this showed God that God would certainly accomplish what the dream foretold. And knowing what the dream meant was of vital importance. However, that knowledge was worthless without a plan to be, to be used or how to use that information appropriately. So Joseph gives advice on what to do to save the country during the years of famine. Joseph advises Pharaoh to appoint a man full of wisdom and set him over the land of Egypt. The person chosen for the job had to be discreet, discerning, and able to analyze the problem. The person also had to be wise, able to see what the facts meant, and, take, and then take the precautions by executing a suitable plan. Joseph had already proven himself to be a wise steward of the house, of Potiphar and in prison. Obviously, he knew how to manage both material and human resources. In between our um, lesson, we have a break in our scriptures of verses 34 through 36, which are not a part of our printed text, but they reveal the plan that Joseph suggested to Pharaoh. Joseph told Pharaoh that in addition to the one he chose to oversee the plan, he should also choose another, uh, other men to collect food from the people. And during the seven good years, the people were to give those men one fifth or 20% of all the food they grow. In this way, these men will collect all the food during the seven good years and store it in the cities of Egypt until it is needed. Then during those seven uh, years of famine or hunger, there will be food for the entire country of Egypt so that the land will not be destroyed by the famine. And so now we come to verses 37 through 40. The king and his officials liked his plan. So the king said to them, who could possibly handle this better than Joseph? After all, the spirit of God is with him. The king told Joseph, God is the one who has shown you these things. No one else is as wise as you are or knows as much as you do. I'm putting you in charge of my palace and everyone will obey, will have to obey you. No one will be over you except me. And so as Joseph stood before Pharaoh, the first, uh, the first warning that Joseph gave him before sharing the dream interpretation was that the answer to Pharaoh's dreams was not in him. God shall, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So Joseph's advice impressed Pharaoh and his counsel. The phrase, the thing was good in the eyes. If you're reading from the uh, New King, uh, the King James Version, it will read, the thing was good in the eyes, means that Pharaoh was pleased with Joseph's insight 
and wisdom. And in verse 38, we don't know just how much Pharaoh knew about Joseph at this point, but however, based on the testimony of the butler, as well as what Pharaoh had just witnessed himself, he decided that no further search was needed. So Pharaoh posed a rhetorical question to the members of his court. Who can find such a one as this is, a man in whom the spirit of God is? The answer is obvious since no one was able to give Pharaoh the answer to his dreams, let alone follow it up with such wise advice. Pharaoh and his servants realized the power and wisdom of God. Although they recognized the divine power and wisdom, we have no evidence in scriptures that they renounced their idolatry to, to worship the living God. Joseph professed right there before them. Pharaoh immediately honored uh, Joseph with favor. Pharaoh recognized that Joseph's wisdom and understanding came from God. So he avowed that, that Joseph, the young Hebrew, would be rewarded handsomely for his discernment and wisdom. Just as Joseph was influential over Potiphar's house, so too he would reign over Pharaoh's palace. In fact, Pharaoh declared that Joseph's reign and responsibility would be so vast that the only person with greater responsibility and power than Joseph would be Pharaoh himself. And Joseph was a very unique rags to riches story. In short, in a short period, he went from the from the pit to the palace from obscurity to influence, all because of the favor and blessings of God. And let's talk about a change of fortunes here. Just the, just the day before, Joseph was still a prisoner with no apparent hope of being released. Now hated by his brothers, falsely accused by his master's wife and forgotten by the butler who had, who had agreed to help him, Joseph probably wondered whether he would ever see the light of day again. But now he was promoted to a position second only to Pharaoh himself. As symbols of his authority, Pharaoh gave Joseph his signet ring, clothing of fine linen, a gold chain for his neck, and the second chariot of the king to ride in. Um, Joseph even gave Pharaoh even gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, Zephanath Punia which literally means revealer of secrets. And then two, we have this other break in our scriptures um, from 46 to 49, where Joseph was probably around 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh and he had been in Egypt about 13 years. And now as the second in command, Joseph departed from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt performing his duties. In the seven abundant years, the earth produced crops by the handfuls. Joseph survived the gathering of all the, uh, supervised all the, the gathering of all the surplus food during the seven plenty years in the land of Egypt and stored enormous quantities of food in the cities. In every city, he stored away food that collected, that they collected from their own uh, surrounding fields. Joseph gathered and stored up grain in such abundance that it was like the sand of the sea it was so much there. And he, he had to stop counting. It, it was just so much. It became unmeasurable. And then now uh, we're back. We're down to our last couple of verses, 50 through 52. And they read, Joseph and his wife had two sons before the famine began. Their first son was named Massania, which means God has left me 
let me forget all my troubles and my family back home. His second son named Ephraim, which means God has made me a success in the land where I suffer. The happiness of an extended family, such as his brothers were enjoying at home, had been denied to Joseph for many years. So in verse 50, we see that Joseph is married with children. Even though Joseph is married to an Egyptian uh, woman, he gives his sons Hebrew names. To the Hebrews, the names given to children were very significant. Joseph named his firstborn uh, Manasseh, meaning forget or forgetting. God had made him forget all the troubles and hardships of his past, as well as the sorrow that came with the loss of his father's house or family. So it is fitting that the name Manasseh means forgetting. Sometimes it can be very important to forget things. If Joseph had continued to worry about the things that had happened to him, he may have been unfit to finish the task that God had equipped him with. The happy events of his current life were helping him forget his unpleasant past experiences. Now, keep in mind, if you go a little bit ahead in Genesis chapter 42, verse 7, you will see that Joseph didn't lose all memory of his family. Instead, he found grace to carry on his work despite the longings he probably wanted to have. And in our final verse, Joseph called his second son Ephraim, meaning doubly fruitful. The blessing that God had bestowed on Joseph in Egypt had extend, exceeded all expectations. The name Ephraim testified to the Lord's faithfulness in making Joseph prosper in the land where he had suffered affliction. He was doubly blessed with two sons and blessed again when instead of him inheriting his portion of the land in Canaan, his sons received portions, thus ensuring that Joseph was doubly or twice blessed. Joseph's life had been a series of negative events ever since his brothers sold him into slavery. He was even thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. But God knew where Joseph was and why he was there. As Joseph languished in jail, God was preparing him for something much greater than he could ever have imagined. It's truly wonderful to be able to come through difficult times with the kind of attitude Joseph had. Burying past hurts and rejoicing in present blessings. Being forgetful and fruitful at the same time. It's such a tragedy when people remember the painful things others have done to them and all their lives carry bitterness that robs them of peace and joy. Bad things do happen to people who do not seem to deserve what they get in life. It's true that not every sad account has the same happy ending as Joseph's, but Christians should know that God is still working in their lives. He can make good things come out of bad things. Just as Joseph laid aside his prison clothes and made a new beginning, so we frequently need to take off our old hurts and put on a new attitude of faith and love. This is Takiya Evans. Be blessed, take care of one another, and thanks for tuning in to Out of the Box Sunday School, and I'll talk to you next week.